0: Thanks for having me. On.
1: Hello friends and welcome to another Robcast. We are in the back house with Scott Reynolds, Scott. Hey, Welcome. Man. It's his first time in the back house. I love it here. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, my friends, uh just just hang on because we're going to go we're going to go into this man's life. and He's going to take us into all sorts of places. Look at me. I'm like hyping you up already. <laughs> so, I remember you telling me you're living in the Midwest, Michigan. Yes. And you're early 20s. Yep.
0: And you go to the mo- you go to the theater. I go to the theater to uh, a friend of mine was a manager there and so he would have me go with him to just go watch Prince Thursday night. You know they check the prints before the Friday showing.
1: Oh, to make sure that the make the sure that reel's good. good or whatever, Yeah, okay. yeah,
0: yeah, my friend Patrick. And uh, and I saw the movie that sort of changed the trajectory of my life for sure. Which was, which was Pulp Fiction. And what were you doing
1: before that? Before when, I was, when,
0: I was going to college. You know, I, I I went the long route for college. I went to like a little Christian college in Tennessee for a bit, thinking I wanted to be a youth pastor. Or, <laughs> you know, and then I thought maybe I want to work. I wanted to work with youth as a, a youth probation officer. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and then I got in a lot of trouble, and they eventually kicked me out of that school. And I worked just like. Just like in Flashdance, I worked in a metal <laughs> shop for a year, except I wasn't a dancer. Just
1: like in Flashdance. Yeah. So you see Pulp Fiction and what
0: happens? Uh, I see Pulp Fiction and I say, I had I, seen Reservoir Dogs on video, mm-hmm. like a little before, and I was like, who is this guy, Quentin Tarantino? This, is, this speaks to me on a level that I can't even comprehend. I just, I fixated on him. Like I, I could have, I, I, I read, at, at that time in the 90s, there was lots of books coming out, lots of articles, lots of interviews, and I, I had clippings. I was like a stalker. I was flat out a Tarantino stalker. Uh, Something
1: about the way this man told stories. Yes. The, the music, visual
0: characters, dialogue. Everything. Perfect. Art at its... And for me, art at its apex. And you'd yeah. never seen anything like it? I'd never... What's weird about it is like, yeah, I'd never seen anything like it, but it all is so familiar, too, right? I mean, that's sort of what he does, this sort of homage to the things that he loves and the things that I love. Right. But, uh, yeah, it spoke to me. I was like going to college at Eastern Michigan, and I was like an English lit major and a theater minor and a film studies minor. You know, all those, like, those things that you just sort of do to do, and you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, Russian lit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I saw that, and I went, uh, I went to my girlfriend at that time, Amy, who is now my wife. And I, after that movie, I, I I woke up the next day, the next day. Uh, I don't even think I went to class the next day. And I went to her and I said, "I'm going to move to California. I'm going to pursue this dream." Because here's this guy that didn't go to even go to film school or anything. He just had a love of film and a love of story, and that and uh, and he went for it. You know, and I was like, "I have to." And even though I was scared of, you know, earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy right because in the midwest you're from the midwest yeah uh there's tornadoes and all sorts of terrible there's things that happen all the time there's lots of ways to die time. everywhere yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, i went to her and i was like i am going to go i'm going to, and i would love you to go with me which means you got to marry me uh will you marry really? me <laughs> it's like that and that all happened
1: fairly quickly very quickly i yeah. i need to go do this this now is what wh- i need to do now what kind of were, you, were did you were you raised in a home where this was like yeah, go after your dreams, make things, what would what no. you? No,
0: yeah, I, I was very, you know, my dad is awesome, and he's, he's old school, sort of quiet. Uh, whenever people meet my dad, they're always like, who is this guy? Does he like me? <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, it's that kind of Midwest sort of guy. Um, wasn't very happy that I was an English lit major, because what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Um, my mom was on her way to becoming a pastor at that point. Uh, my dad was always like the best friend of the pastors, is mm-hmm. <laughs> that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So we went to church all the time, but but in spite of that, it was very very nuts and bolts. Like,
1: yeah, pragmatism, pragmatism, classic. Like
0: have something, have a, a backup plan, a save backup some
1: money, plan. sensible, rational, yeah, yeah. pragmatic.
0: Don't move to California <laughs> with the woman you just married a week ago. I mean, I knew her for a while. I knew her for a while yeah. before that, but uh, with uh, twelve hundred dollars in the bank. <laughs>
1: So you moved, did you know anybody? I how? knew
0: one person. It was that guy Patrick, who was the 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 manager of the movie theater in Ypsilanti. Oh, Yipsy Tucky. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and if somebody
1: said, "Why are you moving?" Did you say, "I'm going to Hollywood"? What What was yes. your answer?
0: I said, "I'm going to Hollywood to write." And at that point, I sort of I was sort of into acting a little bit too. Um, terrible decision. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I had a screenplay in my <clears throat> hand that I, that, I, that I wrote shortly after watching Pulp Fiction that was like semi-autobiographical, but not you really. You just but, yeah. figured out how to write screenplays. Yes. From watching, because I didn't take any classes on that. I didn't really? do anything. Yeah. To this day, you haven't had any classes. On screenwriting, Now,
1: By no. the way, friends, when you see where this interview goes, that is actually really, really
0: interesting. <sighs> um, <clears throat> so you come out and what happens? Uh, nothing. <laughs> I, cu- I come out. I moved to the valley. We and we live in this area of the valley's like '95. So we live in this area of the valley that still, uh, was that the the north, the north Ridge earthquake? Mm-hmm. Still apartment buildings falling apart. <laughs>
1: you, it, it, it was, it was <laughs> Wait, scary. Your <laughs> first thought was I could move to California, but there are earthquakes. And then you move right near the <laughs> epicenter <laughs> <Yeah>. of the <laughs> yeah. recent most worst
0: with constant earthquake. reminders all with constant reminders <laughs> all around you of earthquakes. Yeah, but I had the screenplay in my hand about. It was called Liquored about college students that rob liquor stores to make to make money for college. Basically, is this what you did? No, but uh, no, but it was about my life. You know, okay. it was about my life in college and all that. But I didn't rob liquor stores. I didn't rob liquor stores. <laughs> <laughs> um, just for the record, <laughs> yes, just to make yeah, it clear. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and
0: you're taking. So, how do? You, are you calling people? Are you? I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I didn't know any. All I knew was from what I read about. Quentin Tarantino. Um, So I got a job in a bookstore. And it's had that book in in, uh, Studio City. It's it's one of the ones that's still open, actually, Bookstar in Studio City. And uh, I worked there. I worked in the film and TV section. And I talked to, because it's right near the Radford lot, the CBS Radford lot. So every time anybody came in that had anything to do with anything, I latched onto them and tried to get a job. I was probably really annoying. (laughs) Uh, Passed my screenplay to people. And Nothing. Not a, not a, actually, you know, I had, I had one company, some, some production company that was doing a chainsaw movie with, uh, I even forget the actor's name. The, the, the act, the big actor in it was the guy from Raising Arizona on the motorcycle, the, mo- the ex football player. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Not
1: Brian, uh, I'll think of it.
0: Yeah. This is why we have the internet. Yeah. And exactly. And the, nothing the, happened with that either. The
1: Googler. So are you desperate? Are you, in despair, are you just incredibly hopeful because you're young? What
0: I was, uh, I was oddly incredibly hopeful. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, that is the beautiful thing about Los Angeles that I really do and why I love it so much is that it feels like anything can happen here at any moment, at any time. If you keep moving forward, and maybe it's like this young Gen X, or this Gen X point of view, but if you keep moving forward, something amazing can happen at any time. You don't know what it may be, but, uh,
1: so you're 24, 25,
0: 25, 26. 26. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't know anybody. Get this. And I'm working retail. My wife. Then my wife actually she she gets a she was in, she had an interior design set up, but she got into production design. And so she actually was getting on different shows. And I'm <laughs> still working at a bookstore. <laughs> and and your like,
1: wife Brr. is working.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is not you know nothing makes you feel like a man. <laughs> and when you come home with your you know, minimum wage, retail bookstore, <laughs> and your wife is literally on th- film and TV shoots. She's actually, and I would go visit her. She was on Freaks and Geeks, so I, I would, go, which was an amazing show. I would yeah. go visit her as often as on possible on the Freaks and Geeks set. Yeah, and then t- then what happens? Um, then I get a job at another bookstore. They transfer me, and they want to make me a manager because <laughs> I'm I'm good. You know, like I give whatever I do, I give my all. Um, and I, and uh, not to get like too like Christiany or whatever, but um, one of the things that sort of gave me hope all the time also was like wherever I was, I knew I was there for a reason probably. Yeah. And uh, and wh- no matter how much of a failure I was at it, like trying to be the the proof of God wherever I was, gave me a sense of mission. Even yeah. when I was. Filing books in the self-help section. Right, right.
1: So you had Um, some sense like this is all, just just keep
0: going? Keep going, keep writing. It's all going to work out. And uh, it didn't really for like seven years. Whoa. Yeah. Seven years of working like retail and then working for like an educational production house, making cold calls to to teachers so that they would want to, but then at night going home and writing you know, writing the next, trying to find that next, trying to get that next idea, that next screen movie that that was going to be my Tarantino moment. And uh, that, you know, didn't quite happen. I was doing like a lot of stuff. uh, It's going like mosaic. So I was doing a lot of art stuff there, which helped a little bit, but nothing. Uh, Until my wife was working with somebody. I, I have this like... I love movies. I love movies. They—they are, they are. I used to feel guilty because I like watching them so much, but I've sort of come to the conclusion that that's where I recharge and reenergize and dream mm-hmm. big. And, um, but I have this like thing for black exploitation movies. Like I love them. They're the most honest and pure movies. How would you out explain there. this genre? It is uh, black exploitation. Black exploitation movies in from the seventies, and they're Tarantino's favorite also. But it's this uh boom of movies in the 70s about uh, black inner city life. Uh, and they were, you know, the man is the bad guy sure, and sure. Uh, their private eyes or their, you know, there's, there's one called Black Shampoo where they're, they're hairstylists, you know, coming up against the mob. Uh, and there are these tropes and sort of arc that just keep replaying yes. throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'd seen all, almost all of them at this point. And my wife was working on a show where there was a, this guy, Vikram Janty, was doing a... Who did um, When We Were Kings. Have you seen that documentary, When We Were Kings? Yes. Amazing, right? Yeah. Um, so he and Reggie Hudlin were doing a, uh, a documentary about black exploitation movies. And my wife was working with the wife of Vikram... Or the girlfriend of Vikram Janty. And she's like, oh, my husband knows all about this. So I met with them, And that was my first like uh, industry job. I was the white boy... Black exploitation uh, researcher. Expert. Expert, yeah. <laughs> so I was getting all this stuff together, and it was going to be this documentary for TNT, I think, or TBS or TNT. And ultimately, as it happens in this business, uh, nothing came of it. We went down this trail the day before they were about to start shooting, and uh, I think TBS or TNT were sort of like, you know, this is really black, and where's the white guys? <laughs> well. But bet, it was a job. It in- was a dream, yeah. And then where do you go? From there, I get on a show that made my parents very happy, uh, Touched by an Angel. No <laughs> yes. Wait. I did not know this. <laughs> yeah. Seasons eight and nine. What? As you a writing it? assistant slash script coordinator, <laughs> which basically means I sit in a room with all these writers and I uh, take down as verbatim as possible everything they're talking about all day long. And at the end of the day, assemble it into something that makes sense, that drives us forward into the next day. Uh, assembling it into you a sense of story. You got yeah. a job untouched by an angel. <laughs> yes, my grandparents were so happy. <laughs> um, Not you, Tarantino. For people who aren't
1: familiar with a writer's room. Yeah. Most in, pretty industry
0: standard. Most shows have would have how many writers? Uh, anywhere between five and fifteen. Depending on the show, like I think Ooh. comedies have a lot more. And, and this one, I think, had seven.
1: So these are eights. the writers. Then you have writers' assistants who yep. are basically recording everything that happens in the room, recording it, typing it up, and and then everybody it. shows up nine to nine-ish, nine to five-ish, whatever to, that is. Ten to six. Ten yep. to six, and pick up where they left off. Yep. And you break down a story. This yep. happens, then this happens. But then somebody within the writing room gets assigned to actually write it up.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: So when you see a TV show and it says written by so-and-so, that person is actually generally part of a writer's room. Yep. Then and they're all take turn, taking turns actually generally speaking, getting writing credit. Yes. Who decides who of all the people around the table gets each episode?
0: Uh, show- you know, a showrunner? Yeah, a showrunner. It's sort of random. Like you just, we, we just figured out even before. So uh, I've been lucky that a lot of times I've gotten episodes on shows that I've written that connect with me in a deeper way than, than I ever could have. But a lot of times, you just get a, you know... You just get doing number nine. Eight and oh, you yeah. don't know what number eight is yet at the top, of the top of the year, you know?
1: So a writer's... And everybody's pitching ideas for this scene. This is where it could go.
0: This character could do this. In between a lot of fart jokes and, <laughs> you know, what happened with your wife this morning. And what, what's great about the writer's room, what I love is that it is so... There's a certain... Hopefully... That when it's working well, there's a certain amount of safety in it that you can say. Because people are sharing all yes. kinds of stuff from their past, from yeah. their relationships. You draw a story from your life. So, yeah. when,
1: so when people listening to this watch whatever there is, their, their favorite show, their Netflix, yeah. their whatever, that began with a group of people around a table Just telling about what they had for breakfast and what their
0: kid did last night and yeah. what's happening with their parent, whatever it is. And then uh, flashes of story <laughs> that, that sort of happen here and there. Yeah, And moments where everybody
1: goes, yes,
0: yes, kill her. Put that on a board. <laughs>
1: or yes, get him fired. Or yeah. yes, blow up the building or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And it's amazing. And fun. When it works, uh, it is the greatest time. It's the greatest times of my life.
1: When is the first... So you got on Touched by an Angel, which is a writer's room. Yep. Is that a compelling writer's room? Is that interesting? Is that just... What's that writer? That's your first
0: experience yeah, in the writer's yeah. room. You know, I mean, let's face it. That's not my cup of tea, necessarily. <laughs> you know, like, the, the basic plot of a Touch by an Angel episode is there's a guy who is drinking too much and uh, uh, not paying attention to his kid, let's say. Um, and uh, so God sends a pair of angels, or three angels, to work undercover in his life. And suddenly, <laughs> this guy's going to a bookstore and a coffee shop where Roma Downey Jr. works and where, you know, all these <laughs> other angels are working undercover, and they're sitting there going, hey, you know, uh, Rob, you should quit drinking so much. Hey, Rob, you know, you're ignoring little Timmy Timmy, yeah. oh, much too much. You really should pay more attention to him. And then, you know, of course, Rob d- ignores everything that they're saying until the angels are finally get fed up and they light up <laughs> and they go, we're angels. Listen to us. Come on. And the guy cries <laughs> and then he changes his life.
1: <laughs> Did you ever in the writer's room say to another writer, that is the cheesiest idea I've ever heard?
0: Uh, later I felt like I could say that yes but, oh really yeah, but at yeah. first you're at just first, so you're just, excited you're like excited you also gotta know your place you know yeah. you don't wanna walk in and go Pruh. this is the dumbest
1: cause you're like <laughs> I am in I'm in the game now I'm in the game that's right then Touched by an Angel wraps, it wraps. and you go on
0: I go on what happened then I think I, 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 I uh, the next show I got on uh, what was the next show I got on I got on, like, a Fox show that was about the porn industry. Uh, Touched by an angel <laughs> to a show about the porn industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Then what? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, and that was interesting. You uh, know what? You know why I find this interesting is for everybody who's like, ah, all everybody else, their work was a nice, clean trajectory, but I feel like I bounced all around. Yes. You're What you are describing is so universal in its particular. Yeah. Like, I was here, then I was here, then that didn't work out. Yeah. Then I worked on that thing, and then at the last minute, they pulled the plug. It's
0: like... Which happens in television all the time. It's
1: almost like... It's like there's this long, slow... Like, I feel like with my life, this long, slow trajectory that I also felt like I was falling down a flight of stairs often. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's going somewhere, kind of, but it's also, where, what are we doing? What is yeah. this?
0: Yeah, yeah, you come home at the end of the night and go, what? Yeah, you won't believe what I did today. Right. I this even... was progress? This <laughs> was like steps back. <laughs> yeah. And then you end up... I end up working with uh, Clyde Phillips, who was, who, he's this guy that, uh, I think he said Susan, I think was the one. But he, later he, became, he got on Dexter. He became the showrunner of Dexter. But at this point, he was not the showrunner of Dexter. He had mm-hmm. sold some pilots... To you know, different. That's like a first channels. episode. A first episode, the first yeah, yeah, of a show. And so I, I worked with him, like as his assistant, writing, helping him create these, these worlds and these scripts, and uh, it was like film school, the best film school ever, really, basically. And it was uh, a blast. It was a blast. It was really good. Like I actually like went and lived with him in Connecticut, uh, which was tough in my family because at that point yeah. I had a wife and a kid. <laughs> Yeah, and another kid on the way, but Amy, God bless her, like believed in all of this and believed in me. And as hard as it was, uh, it, it was it was it was great. So and none of those none of those sold. And then I got on a show called uh, E Ring, which is the Bruckheimer show. And I thought, I'm on a Bruckheimer oh, show. Sherry Bruckheimer. This can't like lose, big, right? right? Yeah, like that's big time. And it was about um, special ops, but about the guys that control special ops. You know, like full and so I'm working with this guy, uh Ken, who's the, the creator of it, who actually went and did all of the stuff we're talking about, like he was the real deal the real deal guy <laughs> that was in charge of Special ops for all these years, so his stories were amazing and uh but I was a writing assistant on that, but I listened to his stories and figured out how to make those stories oh in episodes, yeah, in yeah, episodes, and so they that's the first show I became like a writer, a staff writer was that an unbelievably I mean that moment. Oh, yeah! I thought, I thought, I thought I made it. I thought oh, this is it. Here I go. Finally, after that was seven years. After seven years of the grind, and when you live in LA, um, you move out here with a lot of people that have a lot that are trying to fulfill yes. their dreams, and, and and a lot of them after about five years, five six years, if it doesn't work out, they they leave. They go it's, back home. Like I was losing all my friends.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just did this event where a woman in the front row. She said, "I'm an actress, yeah, and I've been going to auditions for so many years, and nothing's happening. When do you just
0: stop and go home?" Yeah, my answer would be, "You don't. This is what you right, want to do. Right, right, right. Like you did, I didn't have. It's that thing that my that you were saying about my dad. That like I didn't. I didn't have a backup plan at all. Nothing. It was this was it. This or or bust." <laughs> oh, which is, you know, I it was tough. It. Like We were broker than broke. There were times when, like on my birthday, our car was broken. Uh, Amy and I rode our bikes over to in and out and split a meal. <laughs> we were like that broke for my birthday. That was like our... Yeah, and, we're living and, it up. But she believed. She believed, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I believed. And her belief helped my belief, I think, a lot.
1: And she was also working... Or um, and he's become this am- amazing designer, but yeah, she was also going after her stuff.
0: Yep, totally. Yep. Yep. We were both out here,
1: and then de- and then you end up in the writing room. At some point, you end up in the writing room on Dexter.
0: Yes. So 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 yeah. So I get an e ring. Yep. And it gets canceled. Like I I'm a, I'm a writer on it. I think it's going to be great. I'm going to march forward, and then I can't get I can't get an interview with a showrunner. My agents can't get me anywhere because. I'm just the you know. There's plenty of white dudes that do this job, and I'm just a staff writer. Um, And so Clyde calls me up and he says, "Hey Scott, our writing our writing assistant uh, is is having a lot of anxiety about this show because you know, I mean, Dexter is about a serial killer who who, kills serial killers who kills bad people, people who got away with it. Yeah, 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 who got away with bad things. Um, And he's not and You know, some people look at him like he's a vigilante, like he's a super, like he's a superhero. Is he Batman? But he's really like a super messed up person who is reacting to the tragedy of his life. Of his life, right? Yeah, yeah. Wait, Um, and the writer's assistant had a problem with the themes. The yeah, it was just yeah because you have to you got to research this stuff. You got to think about serial killers all day long. You get you set your Google alert for. I mean, for for eight years, I was writing. I wrote on for eight years or seven years. And you became the
1: head writer of Dexter.
0: No, I did not become the head writer of Dexter. Okay, but you were in I, yeah. the writing room in Dexter. On that one, I was, I was the, writing assist, the writing assistant. Right. And he, he was like, I'm sorry, I have to step backwards. My agents were sort of like, at that point, not the same ones I have now, but they were like, no, you can't take a step backwards. And I went, I connect with this story. I connect with this storytelling. I'm going to do it because I, I believe in it. And they were like,
1: uh. I have seen this. A thousand times. Yeah. When you go back through somebody's story, Yeah. there are these key moments when somebody around them was like, no, the rungs on the ladder go up. Yeah. This move, you need to keep going up the rungs. And they're like, no, I'm going the other direction because I believe in this thing. Yes. And I connect with it and I'd rather have less money, less prestige, less connections, less... This is so fascinating to me. I always hear this. Somewhere in the story are these key
0: moments. It's... If you uh, yeah, I believe if that's if you want to live your dream or what you know get close to it anyway, you got to make those decisions that oh, don't make sense.
1: Absolutely, I have yeah. I have hundreds of them I can think of where I was like <laughs> I know that the conventional wisdom would be re- turn right here. Yeah, but I have to go left because my heart and my conscience and my integrity need to go left. Yeah, and this is actually the thing that's interesting to me. Yes, and I don't yeah. I'd rather lose doing this than win doing that. Yes, so you go. Essentially, whatever takes that back, and you become writer's assi- assistant in Dexter, um, where all day long you're thinking about serial killers.
0: All, yeah, I wake up in the morning, I, I get my Google alert, and I look at the... Are there any new di- serial
1: killers? Is that literally <laughs> what you're looking for?
0: Yeah, and current ones that are working now, and all the ones that are working in the, the Pacific, North Pacific corridor between you know Canada <laughs> and no way. Oregon. And- Is the
1: writer's room on Dexter, what's it like to be with a group of people thinking about serial killers...
0: All day long. Uh, it's it's going to sound terrible, but it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, it's it's a lot of dark humor, and again, it's another show where we're yeah. uh, we're all being very honest and true about what we're going through and our feelings and whatever you know, and and pitching story and uh, and they I was pitching story, and on the story was ending up on screen a lot. By the um, way,
1: maybe editor's note pitching story would be you're sitting around the table and somebody says okay what if they go up the mountain and they get some trees and they make a fire someone else says what if they build a right like yes. pitching is yeah, everybody's yeah. tossing out this could happen what about this what about yeah, this yeah, yeah. and eventually what something gets em- higher yeah, yeah yeah something emerges that sort of best
0: idea wins or something yes. that everybody goes right that yes he
1: builds a cabin and there's a polar bear there's and a sense the, of consensus
0: behind yeah. it that people go oh that's the one let's do that let's and that, that just direction. happens
1: and And you're pitching stuff that is ending up getting in the script, getting filmed, getting making it into the show. Yes.
0: Yep. Yep. Again. So, so second season, um, writing assistant again, uh, which is a bummer, but I want you know. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. And they with this sort of like slight promise, we'll give you a script if if things work out, which is crazy because it's only you know 15 episodes, I think, or whatever. Right. Um. And uh, and so I pitched out something that ended up like sort of being the season story, and uh, Clyde and Daniel, the two like co-showrunners. Or Clyde was the showrunner, and Daniel was the number like the number two. We're both like, let's give him a script. So got a script and got to write that, and uh, it ended up very being re- really fun and exciting. And it got like a it got not a cat. What am I saying? It got a Writers Guild nomination. Your from, script, yeah, 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 which was awkward and cool, but you know, staff guy just got pulled up to staff writer, gets this sort of thing, right? Uh, but it was everyone was super happy about that, and then from there, I, I you know, just started rising in the ranks in, in the show and and stayed around all the way to the end of season eight. What which, is it
1: yeah. like when a TV sh- when you've been in a writer's room on a TV show for eight years, and then you get to the final season? Yeah. And then you get towards the end. And I assume when you're breaking down the story on the end, because we all have our favorite shows and we all, those last episodes, yeah. what is it like when you're pitching how to end it and how to,
0: what's that? Oh, it's terrifying. I mean, I imagine you is had Is it really this, terrifying? Oh, yeah. I mean, how do you, its it is, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how great your flight was, if you don't land it right. <laughs> all right. Uh, and people love Dexter. People love Dexter, this but people were not, yeah, people, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a, Juggernaut to a certain extent. Um, how many people watch that show weekly? Oh, week? uh, I don't know. At this point, I mean there was it was on Showtime, so it's about a subscriber base, but I think oh. between I don't know the numbers. Between five and eight million a week or whatever. Five to eight million people. And then, are and then watching it got this. on Netflix and then it got goes CBS, on Netflix, And, and it just, just goes round and round yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, from there. But um yeah, it was it was uh, we spun a while. I mean, your friend I, I listened to the one with uh, uh, Carlton he was yes. talking about the ending of, lost. of of lost and just how at a, at a certain point you just got to sort of got to s- stick to your guns and, and land that plane.
1: <laughs> and is there a day in yeah. the writer's room
0: when that's the last day in the writer's room? Yes. And it's a little sad and uh, a little exciting to, cause I mean eight years, right. A lot of us, there was like five or six of us that were on it the, the whole time. Um, but it was like, I'm, you know, I don't know if you saw the ending. A lot, a lot of people really, 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 really hated it. <laughs> Which is tough. Like, and did you listen got, to all that? Did you read I, blogs? Did I you did. care? I did. I did, I did care. Uh, I mean, I got like... It's probably one of the only shows where you'll get like a death threat. <laughs> Like, I got Twitter death threats for, like, I'm going to put you on a table, Reynolds, for what you did to the (laughs) show. You got (laughs) death threats for how you ended a fictional show. (laughs) Well, but that's the thing. Like, when you do a show, when you tell a story, at a certain point, that story, as much as we as writers have, act and the actors and, you know, everybody involved with this thing, have a sense of ownership over it, as a viewer, we get just as much ownership on it, too. Oh, you know? man. I mean, the, movie, the, the shows that you love, y- you're as invested as the writers were at a certain point. And
1: Right. Yeah. I remember uh, a couple of years ago being at a Christmas party and seeing the actor who played the dad in season five of Friday Night Lights. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had this fantastic conversation, but I, it's all I could do not to be like, man...
0: We've been through some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they were, they were Friday Night Lights is a prime example that they were, they were our family.
1: <laughs> it's bizarre oh, how sh- powerfully. Yeah. These I love that show. sh- shows, stories, characters, you yeah. you literally are like, yeah, man, that was something we went through.
0: Yeah. I'm exhausted. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, and think about like Michael C. Hall, who is incredible. He's the star of He's Dexter. the star of it. He's Dexter. You know, everywhere he goes, he sits in a, he sits in a, uh, in a bar, having a drink somewhere, and people look at Dexter Morgan sitting there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Who's yeah. Who's he hunting?
1: <laughs> I remember you yeah. once said, uh, like maybe season four yeah. was about you, something about how much of it was about being a dad.
0: Yes, season four, season four is, season four uh, I was dealing with being a, you know, like the kids were getting older and being a father was a bit more, uh hands on mm-hmm. than than when they're just babies you mm-hmm. know basically I, I'll hold it and feed it but I'm not <laughs> connecting in the same way all I of am sudden, this when is they're like... talking back at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um which sounds awful now that I said out loud but whatever I don't care. No, I understand. Uh, but um we get yeah, that. season four was Dexter deciding can I have it all? Can I be a father and a serial killer? You know can I have and which is what we all deal with at a certain point, right? Like can I be a parent and be fully invested within with these this my yeah. spouse and my kids uh and have this career that is powerful and pulling me away toward another life, you know? Um I like how you put it. Can I be a parent and a serial killer?
1: Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Everybody's yeah. like, oh yeah, totally had that question <laughs> yeah. multiple times.
0: And, and that was John Lithgow who's so d- unbelievable.
1: So oh, how gosh. do you so when we watch Dexter season four, yeah. there are bits and pieces that are filtered through you and Amy and your family living yes. where you do with the challenges. So when we see shows and we're feeling different things, if you were to trace it back to the show, to the actors, to the script, to the writers' room, to what they had for breakfast and what they're struggling with and their marriages yeah. and their kids, yeah, it all filters in. To yeah. Be sh-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. That- That's fascinating to me. Yeah, uh, there's been times when we are watching it, we'd have friends over, so we'd all watch it together, and Amy would suddenly look at me like, oh, that's us! No how, way! How, how dare you share that? And I'm like, nobody knows. But now everybody in this room knows, because you're freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> you, Amy would not know.
1: She would not have seen the Dexter episode. She would not have read the script. Right. She would be sitting in your living room, watching the episode that you wrote with your friends. Yeah. And real and see something on screen <laughs> yeah. that is directly connected with your life with yeah, her. Yeah, and
0: it's so personal to her, and she's not she doesn't like to share like that kind of life. Uh, yeah, and she
1: would look at you like, "What, you, like, you what are you like? What are you doing airing that?
0: our dirty laundry?" And you're like, yes. "No, <laughs> it's exactly right." And I have to explain to her like, "There is this, There is a certain amount in the you know in the writer's room. There is uh, it's like a yeah. holy place. kind of yeah. It's like a therapist or a confidentiality like yes." The code of silence, the ring of silence, or whatever we call it, Um, and we share the ugly. There's something sacred about this space because we're just all. I mean, we're trying to create this story that's hopefully affecting people and and entertaining them to uh, certainly so, but um, but moving them and making them think about their life. You know, I mean, for me, Dexter's amazing because he he makes you sort of confront the old. Uh, What does Richard Worth say about the shadow self or whatever? Yeah. Like, he makes you confront that because uh, at a certain point, you are like, yeah, Dexter, capture that pedophile, put him on your table, wrap him in plastic, and kill him. Yes. And then you have to look at your soul and go, yeah. Oh, my goodness. What is it within me? I've been cheering him on in this, like, in the moment when he actually does the ugly deed and stabs him and then starts, now he's going to chop him up and put him in garbage bags and throw him in the ocean. That it just washes over you that like I what part of me is rejoicing in this?
1: Yes. So like we all have the shadow self. You Dexter is a show about a serial killer, which is essentially because everybody's like, well, you know, I, I struggle with this or I do this or these are some of my regards. But you <laughs> yeah. know, it's not like I'm a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. essentially just make a show. <laughs> That is the shadow (laughs) self, just writ large, writ large and big. All of us, at some level, have this shadow. Just, just make
0: it so over the top. Yeah. And then, what do you do with that? And what does that pull out of you? And how does it affect your relationships? I mean, that was season four. How does it? Can you actually live live that sort of life, and it not drift into your children's life, into your wife's life, and ultimately? You know, which is the
1: ultimate lie for people who are like, Yeah, I know this is pretty bad, but you know, it's not like it affects my family. And you're like, Yeah, (laughs) it's gonna. You really don't think it, are you kidding me? Yeah, of course. You're integrated, everything in your life is affecting everything in your life. Yeah, this idea that you can compartmentalize. So, uh, Dexter raps, and then at the end of Dexter, are you already like, I wonder what I'm gonna do next? I wonder where I'm going next.
0: Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I was. Uh, and then I get this call from Kevin Williamson. Uh, or my agents, or I forget how it all worked out, but um, that's a producer. Kevin Williamson is the guy that made another movie that affected me, not quite in the same way that Pulp Fiction did, but um, he made Scream. Did you ever see Scream? Scream, no. You should see Scream. Scream is, it's incredible. It's like the okay. greatest. It's a slasher movie. It's a horror movie. I love horror movies. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, we went from Richard Rohr to Scream in about let me see here a minute and a half.
0: That's my life,
1: man. It I reminds love me. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of something Richard Rohr says about the shadow self, dude. Scream. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. You got to see Scream. So that guy had made a movie that had affected you. He, I, yeah, and it, it breaks
0: down. It's it's like this postmodern take on this on the. He breaks down the slasher film completely. Oh, and it's got really it. funny. Yeah, and scary. Uh, okay. And he was like, I saw that movie and I was like, oh my gosh, this guy gets me. Yeah. Um, and then he, he's doing a show called The Following, which was with Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. So now you are two degrees away, I guess. I don't know. Right. I was going to say. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, it was season two of The Following. And they were like, can you, you want to come over here? And the party was like, do I want to go back? Because it's, it's another serial killer show. Mm-hmm. It's a, they're hunting serial killers, basically. The party was like, do I really want to dive back into that? But I want to work with Kevin Williamson, was was ultimately. The
1: so you decision. go and
0: do following for how many seasons? I do that for one season, um, and it was awesome. And Kevin Bacon is every bit as incredible as everybody says. Really, I mean everybody. Everybody. It was a, it's a wild, chaotic, great experience working working on that show.
1: And a guy, uh, and an actor like Kevin Bacon who has done such great work for so many years, yeah, is just a great. A human being.
0: We call it, yeah. He's, he's, uh, in, in the TV language, he's like a great number one. Like he, he's number one on the call sheet. Yep. And he sets the pace and the stage and the care for everybody. Uh, he's really? not, I mean, you know, there's some things you work on that they that people end up, uh, people end up being kind of entitled or whatever. And so he was never that way. He was. He was. He like he he would stick around to the end of the night to read off camera for the actor, uh, and it's like which is just above and the beyond mo- stuff. Yeah, a lot of times it's like at that point, you know, the script supervisor is gonna just read for the actor because we're not on Kevin Bacon anymore. But Kevin yeah. Bacon would stick around till four in the morning, just- out in the woods, because it, he's committed to this whole process, and that was a great thing for me to see too. You know, after is the same kind of guy, you know. It's it's I was, I've been blessed that I've worked with people that are that that lead by example, right? And lead a whole crew by example, you know, Man, which is a great, which is, so is a inspiring. great thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then you wrap up following. So that that
0: ends, and then at this point, uh, Melissa Rosenberg, who is uh, the writer of the Twilight movies, um, so she's like the the most successful female screenwriter of all time. That's her. That's her. <laughs> that's, that's her. Um, uh, I'd worked with her on Dexter. And when when I was toward the end of Dexter, ABC called her up and said, you should look into this comic book called Alias. And, I, and this is where we get into the whole Marvel thing, where I am a, along with movies and crime movies and horror movies, I am a comic book fan too. My poor wife. <laughs> I'm like all these things. Uh, it paid off for me, which is good. But um, I love comic books. So, so there's a comic book called Alias about Jessica Jones. And she goes, Reynolds, you read comics. Tell me about this. And I said, you have to take this show. This is, this is everything you want and more. It, she is a female, strong female PI with PTSD who makes all the wrong decisions. <laughs> which what's is, not
1: to like. Yeah, what's not to
0: like. Exactly, right. Uh, and so she, she was like, yes, she goes for it. And then it's just sort of, it's going to be on ABC, and it's not quite an ABC show because they just wanted like a, you know, crime of the week sort of thing. And so following was ending season two and she calls me up. She says, Reynolds, Netflix, Marvel, Jessica Jones. Let's go. And I said, yes. Are you kidding me? Yes. And so I, I, I got to, I, and where this all comes into like the dreams come true and all that sort of stuff. When I was a kid, uh, I read all these Marvel books. I, when I still do, I still go to the comic shop like twice a month. I, they have I have a pull list where they pull all my comic books, and I <laughs> oh, and I, I get in there it. and I find my people, and it. we all talk about stuff we've seen or whatever. But one of the, one of my favorites was Luke Cage. Um, and we get to introduce. She's. I was like, do we get to introduce Luke Cage on this show? And she's like, we get to introduce Luke Cage. And <gasps> I, you're just. This is the. This I is I couldn't like... believe it. I couldn't believe it.
1: I couldn't believe it. It was. So remarkable. you put together how many seasons of Jessica Jones?
0: Well, just the first season. Yep. Um,
1: yeah. And this and is it, like unbelievable for you. It is. Did un- you build a writers' room then?
0: Yeah, yeah. We had we we set up we we all that built up a writers' room because Melissa Ros- Rosenberg was the uh, showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, and we built up this room and created this story that uh, affected people in ways that we didn't. We weren't even ready for. Um, oh, interesting! It, yeah, yeah. I mean, for us, at no point were we thinking we're making an important statement about women in society and women with PTSD. We didn't p- have male power those structure. discussions in the writers' room. No.
1: But culturally, when the show hit Netflix yes. and people could see it, what people got out of it was way farther down the road than you would imagine. Yes. Were you all in the writers' room going, "Can you believe?"
0: Well that's the weird what thing this about the show is doing? Well this we we didn't we don't get to see it because unlike network shows Oh it all gets released it, as it, as it all once. gets released at the same time, right. So we're sort of creating in a vacuum. Like we we broke the first we figured out broke we figured out the first like four or five episodes before we even knew who the cast was going to be. Oh wow. So we didn't know Christian Ritter was going to be Jessica Jones. we hoped she would be we all wanted her to be yeah like she she felt she felt like she was the one and, and so, she was. so
1: oftentimes when you're when people are making a show and they're breaking down story you're tossing around names of actors and yeah. actresses who you're like oh this would be perfect for so and so yeah but then sometimes you actually get that
0: actress. every once in a while you actually it actually happens which yeah. must be unbelievably exciting yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she said yes yeah, she connected to it we connected to her performance. I mean it was everything was great and the guy playing Kilgrave, David Tennant. Like I got to work at Doctor Who. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, what's interesting to me is you you've now
1: been at this and made some really really big shows, but you have a an wide-eyed a joy about this.
0: I do. That's one of the things It's uh y- y- it's what it's, it, everybody talks about. I don't quite see it. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm not as optimistic as people maybe as they say I am. But mm-hmm. I get told all the time that that it's that. Like I I come to work excited. I come to work. I can't believe I can't believe I get to talk about I get to I get to talk about Luke Cage and Jessica Jones all day today and Kilgrave. What? Are you kidding me, guys? <laughs> How often do you think about seven years in a bookstore? I think I am. I think about that a lot too. I think about. That was part of this this journey, and that was probably just as important for me. I think that was important for me because it put inside of me this sense of, of work ethic of giving everything that you got for wherever a job, you're at wherever you're at, and this su- sort of like sense of purpose and mission, I guess that that I think we all need mm-hmm. uh, of trying to be. Like I grew, I grew up super duper Christian, probably more than you, I bet. Even like <laughs> super duper Christian, I grew up like that's I funny. was the guy that walked up to people's in high school, would knock on total strangers' doors, and say, "If you were to die tonight, excuse me, sir, I've come to your house to ask you if you were to die tonight." Oh wow, that's like God, real, that's hardcore. That's hardcore. Continued witness training. Like I was, I was that super judgmental, but very concerned. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Of uh, course. Human being um, who only listened to Christian rock. I mean, I was always I like really awesome and strange and weird. And I look back on it with a sense of dread, but understanding because it's part of the journey. It's part of understanding. You've made peace with all that. I've made peace with it. Yeah. Um, but, but all that to say, like, I guess what it gave me was this sense of like a purpose of how can I be the proof of God in much simpler ways? Not in a, if you were to die tonight. Yes. But right. in a, Hey, the water jug is empty. I'm going to fill it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, and the, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the And, and that gave that. me a sense of purpose because then people would be like, what are you doing that for? Yeah. Well, cause it was empty and we, we were thirsty and why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. And then people, you know, and that kind of sense of optimism and whatever. And every show I work on, uh, They all react, and it's funny to me. But they all react uh, as if I'm this optimistic, happy. I can't reminding everybody of this. We are living out our dreams, guys. Can you believe we get to do this? We get to talk about this every day. Um, And hopefully, it's not annoying. For some people, it might be. I don't know. But it's funny too. Is like then in my like church or whatever, I'm looked at as the as the uh, pessimist. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh reynolds uh, i get that serial
1: killers and <laughs> yes
0: yes yeah yeah no it's looked really- down on and all you know oh really how can you do this like all, all that sort of stuff um but you know it's what's the name of your new book uh i'm not plugging it for you but where you are be, uh, how uh, to be here how to be here like that's that's so important like when i when i read that book it like it validates everything that I mm. really try to do wow. to have a sense of the now and anything can happen in the now. And if you are, if you are in touch with that, um, incredible things beyond oh, could so, happen. So true. You know, because I, I, I got to work yeah. on Jessica Jones. I got to introduce Luke Cage. Mike Coulter, I got to hang out on set with Luke Cage. <laughs> 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 Uh, you know, I got to I watch love him it. I, I love got it. to uh, on the episodes that I was on set for in New York. I got to watch Jessica Jones and Luke Cage fight. I, I superheroes fighting each other i I got to and this is cut to ten year old Scott Reynolds who was reading those comic books again and again and dreaming of these things. uh so anyway, so Jessica Jones raps. It really affects people in a way. You know, I I got to write this episode that is about rape and uh, where she really confronts where Jessica confronts this man that did terrible, horrible, no good, very bad things to her. And uh, even now when I go to like Writers Guild, you know, speaking things or whatever, people walk up to me and and women walk up to me and just like, this moved, this opened Mm. up my life, this... It helped me wow. look at my life in a different way. It helped me deal with my own PTSD. It gave me strength. Um, but, but the truth is, I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff when we were writing it in the room. We were just trying to tell a compelling story uh, that entertains people. That's the, the and truth. And it moves people like that. But it can move them if you if you really there, there's a yeah there's there's nothing there's there's nothing wrong. It's that whole thing, you know. Jesus in his parables, like how many of those people really understood what he was talking about? (laughs) Like even his own guys were like, "Uh, what's this about bread?" Yeah, yeah. And he even
1: (laughs) there are these moments like the ones who have ears to hear. Yeah. Like I'm gonna say some things. Some people are gonna hear it. Some people aren't. Some people just gonna be entertained. And
0: yeah, it's a little weirder like with Dexter because like there were there you know (laughs) there were there were people that maybe might have copycatted him. That's a, that's a weird oh, thing. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. You know? Um, that gets a little more serious, a little more heavy
0: quickly. Yeah, but, but ultimately, the story we were telling was, I, I feel, uh, uh, in a way, you know, like Breaking Bad is wa- watching Walter White, all of the evil in his heart sort of become real. Manifest, manifesting. Manifesting yeah. itself. And it's a beautiful, amazing story. Um, powerful. Uh, Dexter was a little different. Here's this person who's becoming who's suddenly looking at his life and going, Whoa, maybe there mm-hmm. is maybe I need to get away from everybody because I am a monster. Mm-hmm. But then the thing is the minute you realize you're a monster, you're really not a monster anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Real monsters have no yeah, idea. You shine the light in those places and suddenly there's less darkness.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And then and um So from yeah. And now you're on to St- new things. And another, at some yeah, point, a new
0: Marvel show that I wish I could tell you but I'm not supposed to but again it's it is it is a child it's a it's a comic that I read when I was a kid oh uh, incredible that I that I get to tell these that stories about now it's about. your job to take that thing
1: you read as a kid and make it put yeah. it out yeah oh man
0: and every day I'm just I really you know I I I can't I can't believe I get to do this
1: oh yeah. it's so inspiring <laughs> it's so All inspiring and it's interesting to me, just going back through these key moments when you're like, the life is in this direction, and if I don't go in this direction.
0: Yeah, for something else that, that yeah. could be great also, but it, isn't, it doesn't speak to me in the way that yeah. these stories do, that are adventures writ bold and large and big. and you know, The stakes are high, whether it's Dexter Morgan dealing with his shadow self, which happens to be a serial killer. <laughs> or, you know, to, to Jessica Jones, who basically feels like she's a piece of garbage. Mm. And that's something we all, I mean, I struggle yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, that I'm not good enough. Um, and here's someone that uh, keeps taking another step forward and stumbles backwards and falls over drunk and throws somebody on the subway that they shouldn't have. <laughs> you know, it does, yeah. does terrible, bad things. But, over, but her heart is, her unreliable narrator within the side of her is pushing her forward into trying to be the good person that she wants to be um amazing yeah, yeah it's pretty it's pretty incredible
1: thank you so much for coming to the back house
0: yeah, man thanks for really, really inspiring you do. Uh, i mean <laughs> look i'm uh, uh, <laughs> love wins uh pulled me back into wow this, the the stratosphere of there is a loving god that loves oh, us all. oh wow um that's at amazing. a point when i was At a point when I was uh, thinking it's just religion and dumb, (laughs) Hmm. you know? So a lot of what I write is uh, influenced by what you write, which is great. So thank you. Seriously. For uh, Love wins. You're like making me choke up here. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. It's great.
1: Grace and peace, everyone.